Welcome to Realm, a podcast for Xennials. Hi. How are you? Um, uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, because, I mean, who knows? I, I, I honestly was at a loss for words, which is rare. Um, True. <laughs> um, it's almost Christmas. Yes. Yes, it is. I, I realized in watching the Mariah Carey special versus watching um, the lighting of the Christmas tree uh, mm-hmm. on BC that... I am no longer part of whatever is catered to on network television. <laughs> like, I am not the intended audience. Who, who is the intended audience of network television nowadays? Middle America. Like, who doesn't necessarily ah, stream. Sure. Yeah. Places that don't have reliable internet still. Yeah, because it's it's it was filled with country stars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Apparently, mm-hmm. the now classic rock band, the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> I'm using air quotes, y'all. And Gwen Stefani wearing the Gwen only Stefani! the only mistake Christian Siriano has ever made. <laughs> oh, hairdresser can't. That fucking hat. Did Christian Siriano make that dress? Yes. I'm so upset. I'm so I know. Upset. I was traumatized. I'm so disappointed in him. <sighs> and the uh, hat was just like I I uh, I think she wanted to be at the ho down ho center. Like I'm trying to make a whore joke. Like <laughs> sure, sure. Here's how you do that. Gwen Stefani's a whore. Oh, this is <laughs> we're not that mean. We're not that mean. Oh, oh, I'm exactly that mean. Gwen Stefani <laughs> is a stupid whore and I don't like her. And I was right in 1996 oh her, skin is her so stupid face. And I'm right now and Miranda Lambert forever. I know, but her skin is real pretty, even though she's a stupid something. Well, I mean, that's not hard. She has like a million dollars, uh, several many millions of dollars. So it's real easy for your skin to look good when like other people take care of all of your shit for you. Also jeans help too, but yeah. yeah. Sure, and like a lot of money to spend on creams and dermatologists and. But like, I want like, okay. So y'all look up the dress, Gwen Stefani tree lighting ceremony. It's like she picked up a, like if 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 red carpet meets picnic table meets international mail. Sure. So it yeah. Like okay. Not the silhouette of a red carpet dress. Right, but not the but fabric was, of a red carpet dress. Like tablecloth picnic material. Yeah. With like this sheer piece in the middle, which is something you know, every closeted gay boy growing up hopes to see an international mail when the catalog shows up to your parents' house. Oh, I literally thought you were talking about like the envelopes that you send international mail in that are like red and white. No, 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 no. There was like a- What are you talking about? 
So you're, you're doing like a serious Zennial throwback right now, huh? Yeah, I am. So it was just one of those random catalogs that was sent to everybody. And it was called. Okay, well, let's assume we didn't get it at my house. What is it? It was called International Mail. And it, and it was, was. It was like a clothing company? Yes. And it was like mostly male undergarments. But it also had these like sheer shirts. Sheer shirts were a thing in the 90s, weren't they? Oh my God, they were. Uh huh. Yeah. I remember Gavin Rosdell wearing one at the 1999 MTV Movie Awards. Oh, so. I bet you do. Yeah. Burned into my brain. Also, um, for those listening, this is also why she hates Gwen Stefani because she got Gavin first. Incorrect. <laughs> it's very difficult. I've been defending this for 25 years now. I hate her very much on her own merits <laughs> <laughs> have you ever hated someone so much that you've never met oh sure <laughs> i feel like this is a list for a later episode. <laughs> you're telling me you don't have any like celebrities that you just like really really dislike for now like I so here's my deal she even when she showed up in the 90s she sings like she is pouting <laughs> <laughs> and that don't speak song makes me want to claw my eyeballs out okay. and it was everywhere like that song played every five goddamn minutes the year it came out which was when I, was, I was like in high school and I hate that song so much and I hate her voice. Like, I, I really just genuinely dislike her. Like, I like plenty of, like, boppy little, you know, silly pop star ladies, like, who mm -hmm. don't have any brain cells. Like, that's fine. Like, I like Britney Spears, and that bitch is crazy. <laughs> so, you know, that's not well, it. Like, but same difference. I mean, I think maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. So... No, I just, I really, I've always really hated her voice. And then she just seems really, she, she just always seemed really obnoxious. I watched Prom over the weekend. Did you? It came out. Uh, as did I. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people watched it. It was very, it's been very buzzed about. What did you think about Prom? I've already watched it a second time. The music stuck in my head. I wish I had seen the musical first. But I'm in love. I thought it was great. I thought that the storyline was really well done. And look, I really like to hate on Ryan Murphy. I really do. Mm -hmm. But I can't in this film. It was just really enjoyable. Um, the first time I was buzzed when I watched it. The second time I was not and I cried. Um, I thought best thing I've seen Meryl Streep in. Best, you know, I thought she was fantastic. Uh, also, of her musicals, best singing she's ever done. Um, mm -hmm. I just really, I love Andrew Reynolds. Uh, spoiler alert, Nicole Kidman playing the cowbell is everything. Um, what did you think? But, but before we get into the controversy. Before we get into the controversy. Um, and I thought James Corden was fine too, was good too. Uh, yeah, so we, I, I loved 
the show. I thought the show was great. Yeah. I think the story is great. I think it's funny. I think the music is fantastic. I loved it, right? I think Ryan Murphy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so before I even realized it was him, I was 15 minutes into the movie and I was like, who the fuck is directing this? This is so poorly directed. So I will say first, I cannot even believe I'm going to say this because as we all know, she is a saint, but I did not love the casting choice of Meryl Streep. Wow, okay. I'm not saying that she was bad, she okay. wasn't, but I had this really weird, there's this, there's this really weird thing where like, I felt like most of the main people were cast poorly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like, especially in terms of ages, Okay. So Meryl Streep's was like this very Patty Lapone thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. And like, but when you, like her backstory makes more sense for her to be like a Sutton Foster type, right? That like, she's older. She's just a lot older. And then they put her with Keegan-Michael Key, who's in his forties. And like, I love him, but the two of them together was very odd to me. Mm. I just kept thinking though, like, I don't know why I've never thought this before, but like, how freaked out would you be if you knew you had to have a kissing scene with Meryl Streep? Oh, I'd be totally into it. So, I mean, right. Oh, okay. I'd just be intimidated. Like, oh my God, I have to kiss Meryl Streep. Like, wow. Oh, oh, oh. oh no, I'd just be excited. Like, I get to make out with Meryl. That's awesome. I'm a total badass. <laughs> just, you know, you just gotta eat a lot of gum. Like, I, I just, I thought it was really strange that like, even if she was going to be like a Patti Lapone type character, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why are you casting a guy in his 40s to play opposite that, like as a romantic lead? And I also think Ryan Murphy is not good at romance. So like, I had no idea that they were like trying to have romantic chemistry between the two of them until it turned romantic all of a sudden. And really? I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, I you may you might have missed that then. Because like I it just didn't I want I uh, I don't know like the the scene in the, the beginning where he's talking about being a fan and stuff and like she's it just didn't I did not get any romantic vibes from that. And I just, I just think it, I don't know. For me, it was like very, it's very strange casting. I thought Andrew Rennell, the character that Andrew Rennell's plays. It's Rennell. Oh, okay. Uh, is, seemed a lot older than him. Mm-hmm. And I, I was fine with James Corden, but I don't think like that's such a powerhouse role like that's really the best you could fucking do like james corden is fine and i like him like i i love you know like he's great as like the baker in into the woods right like he's, oh i thought he was not great as the baker in into the woods i mean i thought he was fine as the baker in into the woods but not great but but yeah. see that's the whole right like i mean it's the same thing he's just he's fine like he does a good job but like that's such a like if you think about like titus burgess Mm -hmm. from, from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt 
Or Nathan like, Lane. Or well, sure. Like Nathan Lane is who that character fucking is, right? Yeah. Like that's who that's who they're basing it on. Like he's right. The guy who wrote it is writing about what if Patty Lapone and Nathan Lane decided to like have hijinks together, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, great. So I find if you can't get Nathan Lane, like you can go a different direction. You can make it younger. You can well, make it more interesting. But I think I powerhouse think role. Ryan Murphy would never pick Nathan Lane because Ryan Murphy is so caught up in looking cool uh-huh. that, that he wouldn't pick Nathan Lane. So his cast picks are very much about him trying to look cool. In I mean, I thought that way about Nicole Kidman too. That yeah. is a baby little part for Nicole Kidman to have. Like she, she had one song and like four lines. Like she doesn't have anything to do. And Nicole Kidman's got a good voice and she's, you know, she can dance and that's fine. But like, she seemed old for the role to me too. I didn't like the casting of Kerry Washington. I love Kerry Washington. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know. And this might lead us into the James Corden controversy. Like it was a little, I would have rather like, like an angry white woman play that. Like, I didn't know why we need, I don't know. I felt uncomfortable for it being, a black woman that is the villain. Um, I didn't like that, but like, you know, if, if you're choosing that as the daughter, I get it. You then you need to make it make sense with the parent, but. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, right. Like I get that piece, right? Like if, if they pick the daughter first and it's somebody uh, yeah. who has to, although obviously. Well, the daughter you looks know. more of, of Indian. Decide. Right, like she, you, you could have. I mean, you could have assumed she also yeah. could have been Latinx. Like you could have assumed yeah. a several ethnicities, ethnicities yeah. from her. So like you could have gone a lot of different directions, honestly. But it's really funny because to me, when Carrie Washington is doing that like uptight thing, mm -hmm. right? Like she's, I'm like no, like because tough black mom is a different thing than yeah. like when the white mom just expects you to be like prom queen and cheerleader and she's like living vicariously through you. Like Michelle Pfeiffer and Hairspray was perfect at it. Right. And so that's a different, that's a different character choice. Yeah. And Ryan Murphy, as we know, has absolutely no context for any of that shit. Yeah. And he's also- very bad at race stuff. Yes. He just doesn't pay attention to it. Cause he's, he is a privileged white man. I mean like, right. yeah, he's also gay. Um, I mean, but there are plenty of privileged white guys who are also, you know, trying to pay attention and yeah. like learn some shit. And he does not seem to be doing that. I, you know, and look, I still liked it, but I think that a, a, a pertinent criticism could also be that this was just like another episode of Glee with a bigger budget. Right? Yeah. The little bit of what it was. So the criticism could be, this is so in your wheelhouse, Ryan Murphy, that you, if you didn't nail it, you suck. Right. Well, and I just think to, I like, I really love, I thought it was a really fantastic show. And I thought that the two girls were really awesome. And I did, I thought the music was just great. Right. And so, yeah. So like when you're not, when you're not showing that off to the fullest of its abilities, I'm just a little disappointed. Um, so, yeah, I, I can understand that. Um, 
the, so the big controversy for those who don't know, I don't know if it's a controversy, but the thing that people are talking There's about- There's backlash, yeah. Is about casting James Corden in a role that's written, that is a gay man. And I think specifically because people felt like James Corden was being stereotypical in his portrayal of a gay man. So I've actually had a, I, I read the BuzzFeed article. I, that's all I've read. Um, but I can imagine what the other backlash, like the other comments. Right, and they're all pretty similar. You know, people I, on Twitter have opinions. I think it's super hypocritical. Um, I don't agree with this particular, like, so first of all, I want to state for the record, my preference is, is that you should, right now, until we can be, um, blind, do more blind casting. Until people are more equally represented. Yes, I think that when a, you have a gay role, it should be cast by a gay person. Um, because you're not hiring that many gay people to play straight roles either. So, you know, let us have our representation matters. That's right. Said, yeah. And, and, and people should be able to play both, but they're not casting that way. That said, the gay community has a very loose, like, stands by this, I think. Oh, overall that statement but has a loose relationship with it um because you y'all liked Rami Malek playing Freddie Mercury and y'all right. mind Timothy Chalamet in Call Me By Your Name because you thought both of those guys are hot and Taron Egerton playing Elton John in Rocketman right so my question is if Nathan Lane played that part Right. Would his affectations be any different? Yeah, I don't think so. So that's why I think it's hypocritical. It's because James Corden isn't hot. Right. I mean, and listen, we we know that that's very, very true, right? Yeah. That like, yeah, that people get away with a lot of stuff. And I... I, I can, listen, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say how anybody else feels, right? Because you have your own feelings about stuff. I, I have seen movies where people where like a performance rang a bell for me where I was like, this is like too, I feel like you're like doing a thing. Mm -hmm. And I never felt like he was doing a thing to me. Like, yeah. it just seemed like he was, it seemed like he was being a theater person. Also, have y'all met James Corden? Like, if he wasn't made fun of for possibly being gay his entire childhood, right? I would yeah. be shocked. No, of course he is. Like, I mean, honestly, the comments in the BuzzFeed article, like, half of them were like, I thought Corden was gay, actually. I had no idea he was married. Like, what? Right? Yeah. And, and I also, mean, like, his whole thing is, like, musical theater and Beyonce, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, so... Which is his thing anyway with his carpool karaoke. With his right, like he loves divas and musical theater. Like, yeah. um, So first of all, like maybe he put it on a little bit. Like in my second time through, I was kind of paying attention to it. But I was like, this doesn't seem that much different than when I see him doing carpool karaoke with X, Y, and Z. Um, right, because he definitely like has diva hand when he's singing with Mariah Carey right? and carpool karaoke. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing is that, um, oh, what was I gonna say? Oh, I've lost my train of thought. Well, overall, we will say that 
prom is very good and the the story is great and the music is great and it is very hopeful and and wonderful yeah. um and so and you know i mean it's meryl streep and she is fantastic like whether or not i loved the casting choice i mean it's meryl streep she's always amazing um and i agree with you that like i do think it was her best singing Mm-hmm. So if you like musicals and heartwarming stuff, then it's, uh, we give it a recommend. We do. We do. And um, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. So did it make your upcoming list? <gasps> it's time for a list. It's time for a list. Let's get list and go. Let's get go. Unwhelmed, we are doing the top 10 of 2020. So we didn't want to limit ourselves to movies or TV or music. So we're just doing all of those all together. Uh, there's a Megan list and a Chad list. And these are just the things that we think are the best from 2020. So did prom make your list? Prom did make my list. I just, I think it's heartwarming and uplifting and uh, do we think it could be better? Clearly, you just heard us say yes. <laughs> um, but prom did make my list. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, just something that makes you feel, just feel that much and enjoy that much in this year, like I think is super important. You know, prom was the only movie that made my list. I only have one movie too. And I, um, you know, to refresh my memory, I went down Rotten Tomatoes, like, like top rated. Mm-hmm. First of all, something's gone weird with the Rotten Tomatoes thing because some of those things on there, like we're just like, uh, what? I think I think that I think the bots have figured it out. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, there was. Um. This was it. Yeah, not a lot, not a lot this year, not a lot going on. Well, what was the movie you had on your list? Palm Springs. Oh, okay, that was cute. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed Palm Springs. I know it was a little weird for some people, but I like weird stuff. So um, I I really, I think that was the only movie that I saw this year. Well, I mean, let me rephrase. It was the only movie that came out this year, right? So like we've been, because we've been doing so much watching, like we've done a lot of watching of like 80s movies that I never got around to seeing, or honestly, just like movies that have come out in the last couple of years. Like we finally watched Spy with Melissa McCarthy. Oh, which is very funny, actually. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Like it's, you know, it's silly. Um, but I'm, but I'm glad that they can that that there's a woman allowed to have a silly comedy, right? Yeah, that's nice. Um, yeah. So um, we've been doing a lot of watching of older stuff, but this is the only one that came out this year that I really enjoyed. So it was a Hulu movie um, with. What's his face? From Andy Samberg from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. And um, the girl who played the mother on How I Met Your Mother, who was na- whose name is uh, Christina, something with an M. Sorry, Christina. Uh, something with an M. She's the mother on How I Met Your Mother. Um, and and they were, they had good chemistry. Like it's a weird Groundhog's Day kind of thing. Um, it's a real weird movie, but it also is sweet. So that's right in my wheelhouse. Um, so most of your stuff is TV. Uh, most of it is TV. What do you have that's not TV? Uh, so I have Lady Gaga's, uh, Crow, I don't know if I can say this right, Chromatica, I just can't talk to Chromatica. Thank you. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, people are like, oh, of course he's gay. He likes Lady Gaga. Um, I'm actually not her biggest fan, but uh, this and the other music album I have on my list, Kylie Minogue's Disco, are albums I thought we needed this year. Mm -hmm. um, in so much that they are just fun. Yeah. And upbeat and like their music that you can list like um, actually listen to or can have in the background that's just like nice upbeat music. And it's, yeah, it just wasn't too heavy. And, and you, just want fun that, that stuff. Like, you know, to be a serious artist, you don't have to be like super depressed or have a huge big message that mm -hmm. they'll make good music and it can be poppy and fun. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so I have one album as well. I only have one album. Uh, mine's Taylor Swift. Oh my so bad. I know, sorry. Uh, I really enjoyed, um, I guess technically I'm saying Taylor Swift is an artist, um, but I did really enjoy the, I did really enjoy her first album this year. So she's put out a second one recently. Oh. Uh, yeah, she did two this year, um, Evermore. And I enjoy it, but it's not, for me, it's not as good as, as, um, as the first one that came out this year. So which that one called? is, which was called something. <laughs> it was called the first Taylor Swift album of 2020. <laughs> it's like the, yeah, it's really annoying because it's, you know, like the number one album on my Spotify folklore that's the name of it uh it's like the number one album on my spotify you know like most of my 2020 you know they give you your like little year in review right yeah. and so i basically only listen to like four bands okay yeah yeah i saw actually someone um a friend of mine i saw on she, she posted like her her report on her spotify mm -hmm. report i did i actually previously did not know that spotify did this until like yesterday actually <laughs> And like she's in the top 0.2% of like Carly Rae Jepsen listener. <laughs> now listen, don't get me wrong. I love me some Carly Rae. And she is, she's a lot more fun uh, than you would think just from Call Me Maybe. Like she's, it's like good gay pop. <laughs> you don't care for her? So a lot of my younger gay friends went nutty over an album I guess she had last year. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I should listen to it if everyone's going a little like nutty bananas over it. And I did and I was like, eh, it's beige. It's not bad. It just was like, eh. Yeah, I mean, I liked it, but it's definitely like, it's not going to blow your mind. Like, it's just like fun for the little pop. So yeah yeah she's not she's not on my list though uh no no carly ray jepson no but i just thought it was funny that she was like my friend was like well i didn't really do much this year but apparently i accomplished this level <laughs> of support for carly ray jepson that's really funny <laughs> yeah so okay that means that i just went through three of mine you just went through two of yours that means we have 13 more that are all television no no I have one book. <gasps> I know. I have a book. Uh, so The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. If you have not read it, uh, it basically is like bestseller across the world. Um, oh. But it's, yeah, it's a really good, 
It's a really good story about um, a girl who commits suicide. <laughs> and, well, tries to. I know. It's a good Best way to start. story ever! But she goes, basically she ends up in, like in limbo. It's a library. And all of the books are the lives that she could have had if she made different decisions. Oh, right. Oh, you talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was one of your so, whelms. It was one of my whelms. My whelms. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> work well. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was, it's just, it's really, it's really life affirming and really heartwarming and the kind of shit you needed to read this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've struggled with books this year. Like I've started a lot of them and not finished them um, because I just have have been at very low tolerance for things that are not engaging enough. Like I need you to grab me. Like I I need to I need to get invested in a hurry. I I actually picked up, started, and finished an entire book this year. <laughs> Yay! Congratulations. I'll make my list. I'm not going to talk about it. But the, the, <laughs> the in and of itself was the fact that I started and finished a book within a calendar year. So, do you have anything else that is not TV? Um, I don't. All right. Well, then let's talk about the best TV of 2020. Okay. Um, is it safe to say that Shit's Creek is on both of our lists? Yes, it is definitely <laughs> safe to say that. Shit's Creek should be on everybody's list. Like I, it was there's man, that show. There's going to be a movie. <gasps> what? I know. That is really exciting. That's I'm awesome. A road trip movie. Oh my god! Right. <laughs> Because even though the whole series is kind of a road trip movie. That's true. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful idea. I mean, that show is just, it's so good. But wasn't it like everybody, right, being like, you need to get to the end of the second season and then all of a sudden it becomes the best show ever? Yeah, and that's a long time. I think that if I was not the diehard fan of Parks and Rec that I am, I don't know that I would have made it through because I understand how a show like Parks and Rec starts to show glimmers of what the, of the show it's going to end up being yeah. in like sort of sort of once it gets to like the middle of season two. But really, it does not become itself until after Rob Lowe and Adam Scott show up, which is like the last episode of season two um, and really into season three. Mm -hmm. And that it shifts so dramatically into being my absolute favorite sitcom of all time yeah. that I, I believed it. Like it was a slog for me to get through the first season, like up and into there's an episode that's like with the party where they all dance at the end. Yeah. That is like halfway through season two. And that was the first episode where I was like, Ooh, wait, Yeah. that was heart. Uh -huh. I saw heart. I saw heart. You have heart. I'm coming for you. You have heart. I got it now. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. And like after that episode, I was fine. Um, if you go back, I've gone back and watched a little bit of season one, um, and uh, it's better now that I love the show and the characters so much, 
Like I can understand but, that. But I, I agree with you. I finished the first season and I was like, I don't, I don't get it. Like I was like, I, yeah. I find these people kind of annoying and mm-hmm. I don't really know where they're gonna go with this show. And yeah. um, yeah, and then you know, a good friend of mine, um, Bobby, was like, no, just keep watching. Just yeah. like, get just get through. Well, because the but in the first season, you're not convinced. <clears throat> it does not seem like they're going to change or like anything is affecting them yet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't. Um, and you want you want those people to change, like you want, yeah, like I mean, I want heart in my stuff. So, um, well, I think I, part of the geniuses is that they don't change like they don't like become different people there's still those crazy characters right but they grow they grow yeah. yeah that might be a better way to put it yeah. yeah and 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 so much oh it's really magical yeah yeah so uh is it safe to say we also both have the crown on our list yes now yeah. i just want to state for the record that i'm talking about season four in oh. particular Yes, no, just season four, just this year's season. Season one and season four have been the best. Season two would, were a little yeah. rough. Yeah, and season two was definitely better. Like, actually, we, because we started season three last year and we never, we just never finished it. Like, we started, Ooh, three was we just, we, we just went right to season four this year and have been fine. Like, we did not miss anything. Well, so, no, we kind of know. Well, I, I, I would say the, the good part about season three was, the Helena Bonham Carter story. I thought that was the most interesting part. Um, yeah, about the queen. She's frequently the most interesting part. Even yeah. when she's just sitting in the room and she doesn't have any lines. <laughs> I'm just, it's just so nice to see her in a role where she's not playing like- That shit crazy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, I agree. Even though, like, I'm like, look at you with a brush in your hair. I know, like, yeah, and your hair is combed and done, and like, you're not on makeup and shit. Look at you. And- I don't believe you're gonna eat anybody. <laughs> right? <laughs> I feel like she should get an award just for like being a person. Right? <laughs> the Helena Bonham Carter Award. Congratulations on carrying out a sentence. Right? <laughs> and like, you know, where she doesn't also have to like hunch over because she's like, right? You didn't scare small children. <laughs> problems from all like the character acting. That's what Steve was saying about the guy who's playing Charles. He was like, he had to like get a chiropractor after that oh, part. Like the hunching that he's doing like just stresses my shoulders out just watching him. Both him and the woman who plays Diana, they're, they both walk around with their heads down and their shoulders up the whole time. I just really think she is spectacular. I just thought the whole season, they did such a good job of us not like necessarily hating anybody and not like mm-hmm. everyone had their good and bad moments. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, it's not all Charles's fault, though most of it is. <laughs> um, but like, you don't. I mean, but it's not too, though. Like, he got like, forced he has... into shit. He should have always been able to marry Camilla. Yeah. Like, obviously, like, they're 80 years old and still together. Like, Right. They were obviously always in love. Like, he had to marry somebody he didn't love. That sucks. So you don't, like, feel, like, 
like so you have you're you're empathetic towards the character right towards everybody yeah which is really important and it's a lot of i think the writing is incredibly incredibly good such a master class in writing full characters right like full and also the the thing of like that you don't always have to say everything out loud that like let it and like letting stuff breathe and letting stuff like speak for itself um yeah i think it's really brilliant at that you know, one thing i've been noticing in the crown i think has always done this um but i'm noticing it more in other tv is the way they're shooting tv now is becoming very cinematic like they're shooting mm -hmm. tv a lot more like they shoot film mm -hmm. um, so i'm going to be curious how that um keeps going because it, it needs more if you're going to shoot it like film you need more time right it just takes longer you there's a lot yeah, more sure. shots and angles and yeah 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 it's different than your run-of-the-mill tv show yeah um uh, do we have any others on our list that are the same or is that it i i think that's probably it um well then i'll keep us going um my next one um on my list is also a period piece uh the great it was the dark comedy on Hulu about the Catherine the Great story. Oh, right, right, right. Elle Fanning. Uh, uh -huh. And I, <laughs> I never laughed out loud once, <laughs> even though it's a comedy. <laughs> very dark. It's very dark. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was so fantastic and coincidentally mirrors so much of what is going actually going on in the U.S. Uh, the United States oh. right now, including like there's a pandemic like in the oh. show. Um, Good times. Good times. Yeah, so yeah, anyone, if you have a moment and you want to <laughs> do sort of a dark comedic satirical look at uh, a period of history, it's basically the very short amount of time between when Catherine marries um, her her husband Philip and he dies shortly thereafter and she becomes queen. But it's that period between the marriage and him dying. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, yeah. So my um, my my next show is The Good Place, uh, which mm -hmm. ended its run this year. Um, and I the third season was a little uh, was a little hit and miss for me. I, I thought they were wandering a little bit in the third season. So I was really glad for the fourth season to get back to form, um, and for them to. It was only four seasons, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So for it to for it to get back to form and end on such a high note, I just really I, I thought in particular the finale was really moving. Yeah. 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 I think it's I think it's incredibly ballsy to essentially make a TV show that is about philosophy. I mean, uh, not only make a TV show, but it but put it on network television. But a network TV show. Yeah, that's about philosophy. I, I mean, part of me thinks like, whoa, what this TV show could have done on a Netflix. Right, yeah, um, yeah. But maybe that was the genius of the show was they took this really difficult philosophical question and made it um, approachable. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, 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 and funny and like relatable. And that's, that's very impressive. Like I would imagine that they're showing it in freshman philosophy classes all over the world, you know, like it's really. Yeah. The genius of the casting that show does not work unless it was cast impeccably. Oh God. And I love all of those people. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to Kristen Bell and Darcy Carden in particular. Mm hmm. But also Jamila Jamil. Every single one. And of also them. William Harper Jackson. It's, it's one of those shows that, like, if they hadn't gotten that absolutely perfect. Yeah, it just does not work. Mm-mm. Yeah, and I think I think Michael Shore is so good at that. Like he he really has an eye, and he does not cower to. Like he pretty much always casts his, like he had Kristen Bell, right? He had Amy Poehler, but everybody else is like an unknown. Yeah. Like, I mean, Chris Pratt was nobody. And now he's one of the biggest movie stars in the planet. You know what I mean? Like Nick Offerman was nobody. Like he'd done like one line roles on a handful of TV shows. Um, uh, I might've heard this wrong, but I heard that the Chris Pratt character in Guardians of the Galaxy is bisexual. That Marvel announced that today. Yes, they did. Oh. Um, so that is that is in that is canon in the comic books. Uh huh. Um, so we'll have to see how it translates to the film universe. And um, that's very conservative religious beliefs. Sure. <laughs> so he has not as as of as of our recording, he had not made a statement yet. So. No. Um, he has in the past sort of said, you know, I, I believe God's for everybody and I believe God loves everybody. You know, I mean, he's done some, he's, he's done some sort of generic, like, yeah, and not specific. He also doesn't proselytize, so. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, so we will see how, how that, uh, but uh, I would, I would love to see Michael Shore get a chance to do some non-network stuff because uh, I think he could really push some buttons and some boundaries, which would be really fun. Um, but I think, I think the casting is his strong suit. So, good place, ending with a bang. Um. Uh, so I lied. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have a second movie on my list. Um, well, you tell your movie, and then I'll tell my TV show that comes from a movie. <laughs> there we go. Problem solved. Um, Problem solved. <laughs> the boys in the band. For some reason, I thought they had broken it up into... Oh, that it was like a series? Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, we're all streaming things now, so it's hard for me to think of things as one or the other sometimes. Right, like, it's all, it's just, I don't know, it was on Netflix. It's all the same shit. Pretty yeah. much. Um, yeah. Boys in the Band, while produced by Ryan Murphy, it was not made by Ryan Murphy. <laughs> um, Makes a difference. <laughs> and it was a remake of the first um, movie ever, actually, that had that was released by a studio that had gay characters as leads. Um, that was based on a uh, on a play. Um, so it was a play, and then it was a movie, and then it was a play, and then it was a movie. Yes. Um, and you know uh, Andrew Andrew Rannells is having a year so good great I think he's fantastic yeah I agree casting is amazing you almost get to see your gay husband nude um oh well you see everything but um his kibbles and bits um Mm, seems lovely 
there, he has a shower scene. It's it's in the first like ten minutes. So go watch it. What a dish that guy is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just highly recommend it, and it's uh, it's about um a group of gay men in the seventies who get together for one of their birthdays. Um, and I think I described this actually on a previous episode. It's sort of like the um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, but for a group of gay men. Um, and uh, I think it's still very poignant today. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well, I like anything with Matt Bomer in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my TV show that's based on a movie <laughs> is Cobra Kai. Um, and I am just as stunned as anybody else that this is on my list because God knows I have never cared about the Karate Kid movie or any of, like, I've never, I mean, honest to God, I'm not even sure I've actually seen the Karate Kid movie all of the way through. I feel like Cobra Kai, especially because of the way we keep, like, having, like, Cobra Kai-themed episodes where we, like, <laughs> the Cobra Kai treatment, I I would not be surprised if it's one of these things that Hollywood didn't know it wanted and now that it knows like everyone likes this kind of thing like how many Mm. more things are going to get right I'm sure I'm sure there will be lots of them yeah I'm sure there will be lots of them although you know I mean they were doing it with some stuff already right Fuller House yeah but that was more of a like like, uh, the new state by the bell yeah right like it what's interesting here's the thing that's why Cobra Kai is on my list is because it could have been and one would have expected it to have been exactly the same as all of those others. I would not, I will say I have not seen the Save by the Bell, but all of the other like reboots, continuations of 80s and 90s shows that people have been doing, like they're just, it's just retread material. Like they're not, and what they did with Cobra Kai was take very trite source material and turn it into a genuinely interesting and deep and meaningful television show. Well, you and you just said it right there. It gave it a reason for being. Mm-hmm. And it was based in real characters, right? Like they turned these caricatures from this stupid 80s movie into real people with like genuine pathology i would argue though that when that movie came out in the 80s it did not feel like a caricature it does now (laughs) i will take your word for that because i don't know i was like four when that movie came out so fair but like that movie became a franchise there's like four or five of them yeah, but it was the 80s. They made four or five of everything. They it, made four Jaws movies. They made four Gremlin movies. I know, they made four still, Lethal it, Weapons. It still did well enough like, to get sequels. Yes, but well does not mean good, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I understand that, like, at the time, it probably didn't, right? Like, it was, I think it probably was pretty edgy for, like, what is ostensibly a kid's movie. I don't know if right? I call it edgy, but yeah. But like at the time, I think it probably was, right? Like the kids are like having parties and drinking and whatever and like getting into fights and like the kids are actually getting beat up. I mean, you know, and the, the Goonies was considered edgy in the 80s. Right. And there's pathology to, you know, both of the adults that are in there, right? Um, so I think I think all of that is, that that might be a very legit point that like it just seems silly now because- 
it's an 80s movie. Yeah. And they all seem a little silly now. Like, even if they're good, there's just a lot of, like, saxophone solos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kenny G. <laughs> Everything, every act break has a saxophone solo in it. I don't know. I, I, I feel like we're due for some kind of Kenny G comeback at some point. I mean, hasn't 2020 been hard enough? um so my next one um the queen's gambit ah yeah a limited series i I, i'm looking down my list and that most of my things on my list if they're not movies they're limited series yeah um so they're long movies long movies (laughs) um the queen's gambit based on a book fantastically acted um, about an orphan kid who becomes a um, child chess prodigy. Um, and I think my only, the only thing, I, I ended up binging it in a day. I, I just like sort of oh. stumbled upon it. And, and I think a lot of other people stumbled upon it. The, the thing that was weirdest for me at the end was that it wasn't based on a true story. Like it feels yeah. like it was based on a true story. It's like, in the way that Forrest Gump, like the story, like sort of wraps itself around real historical events. Mm-hmm. We, like she's not special ed, but like the Queen's Gambit is about this child chess prodigy and wraps itself around some real world historical events and issues with Russia and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, but you know, at the end you were waiting for that, like that text to come up saying like, Oh, and she now lives blah blah blah, or like she went. Right. She was the founding member of the Moscow Chess Club, or whatever. Yeah, like or something, and like it when that didn't happen, I was like, I was like, w- w- this isn't, and I had to look it up. <laughs> no, this isn't a true story. Well, I think that's pretty impressive. If they made you, if they made you believe it was real, um, I I know a lot of people who have who have also been a big big fan of that. I think it's making a lot of top ten lists yeah. for TV for the year. Um, so I think another show that's making a lot of top 10 lists, uh, and is next on mine is The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely nothing about that show. I, it, it is a treat to watch it every week. Um, it is, I think it's very well done. It's so John Favreau is doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am so surprised that that jackass from Swingers has turned out to be one of my favorite content makers. I think he has a really good grasp of how, like, the sort of fantasy superhero kind of thing works. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what you want, like, how you make stakes in that world and how you, how they're high enough, but that you still want the good guys to win, but the the bad guys have to be interesting and they, you know, and all of that is a, is a really tight balance. Um, and the fucking baby Yoda puppet is the cutest goddamn thing. Ah, well, it's so cute. It like hurts my heart. I think that people forget that um, he was really responsible for sort of the launch of the Marvel universe movies with the, Oh Iron yeah, Man. no Marvel people do not forget. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. Marvel people like, do not forget. It's, it's easy to forget if you're not paying close attention that he was responsible for the Iron Man 
movies and right he's the reason that iron man worked and if i if if the first iron man didn't work there was there was no mcu like all of that happened because john favreau came in and took what is actually a pretty unlikable superhero like Mm -hmm. iron man in the comic books is not he's not batman right like he's an alcoholic and a womanizer and he's kind of a piece of shit and I mean, all credit to Robert Downey Jr. as well, because you got to be able to play that part with yeah. like the wink and the nod that he it, can do so well. It's sort of like um, the Johnny Depp when he was the yeah. Captain Jack Sparrow. It's right, like, exactly. you're degenerate, but we still like you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Favreau was the one who said, it's got to be him. Like he's the only one who can pull this off. And he was right. Actually, I just learned as well, John Favreau is also responsible for the movie Elf. I did know that. Right? I had no idea until I watched the the little holidays that made us. Oh my God, that's how I found out too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I really love that little series. It's such a, it's mm. so cheesy, but like, I just it, like the toys and the movies yeah. and the, it's fun. Um, yeah, so. Um, Mandalorian. Next on my list uh, is Mrs. America. Um, which I Hulu. You have a lot of Hulu on your list. Uh, no, F- it was FX. Oh, they just showed it on Hulu? So Hulu and FX have like a partnership. Ah, gotcha. Um, so everything that's on FX will be on Hulu the next day. Okay. I just uh, remember seeing it pop up on Hulu. For sure, sure. Which is actually where I watched it. Um, no, I just thought it was really well done and uh, really educational. Uh, though ironically, almost every single, not all of them, but like, 90% of the the women who were in that, who were playing leads, mm-hmm. are not actually American-born. <laughs> sure. Well, I, will, uh, I will give a tiny shout-out to my dad right now, who is so obsessed with British actors playing Americans. He loves to tell me, like, did you know? Did you know they were American? Like, how do they do that? How are they so good at it? Like, why are they so good at playing Americans? We're not good at playing British people. And I was like, yeah, because we're Americans and we're stupid. <laughs> but I think I think it's really interesting because if 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 the movie or the series is to be believed as a piece of, of also historical fiction, um, it's really interesting to see that in this late 70s, it was the fight for the Equal Rights Amendment that that is really sort of the seed for how polarized Democrats mm-hmm. and Republicans got. Mm-hmm. It, it's really fascinating to think that it was started by this group of, of women who were against the Equal Rights Amendment. Listen, because nobody knows how to pit people against each other like some fucking mean girls. <laughs> And these are like the epitome of Mean Girls, for sure. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. All right. Well, my last TV show, uh, my top of 2020, is uh, one that I just discovered last, I like in the last week, um, and we have already finished it, and it may be my favorite thing that I have watched all year long. It um, is called Ted Lasso, and it is I, on Apple Plus. I started watching it today, and I'm obsessed. Yes! I got one! <laughs> so this is a TV show that is based on... Uh, Jason Sudeikis did the character of Ted Lasso for 
promos for the NBC Sports Network when they got the Premier League. He was, it was like a joke. He was going basically on Sports Center, whatever in a MSNBC sport, whatever their sports <laughs> station, Sports Center version is. And he was going on the, and he was like, joke, it was like a joke, right? That he's like an American football coach that goes to coach in England. And so uh, my brother had been talking about it and how great it was and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I don't know, because I just assume that that's going to like that the whole it's joke is sports, American um, buffoonery, right? Like how stupid is this? Yes. And yeah. the whole, the it's like awkward humor, right? And yeah. I just cannot do, I cannot do awkward. Um, whatever tolerance I had for it in the past that enabled me to watch The Office at the time, like some of The Office, I couldn't even watch all the episodes, but like some of The Office, like I, I like, I cringe at reruns now. Like I just, I've lost any ability to deal with awkwardness. How would Shit's Creek though not awkward humor? <sighs> this is very complicated. So in the beginning, it really is. Yeah. And that's part of the reason that I was having such a hard time watching it in the beginning. There are moments that happen later on, but this is the same thing, right? So this is, it's the same thing that sold me on Parks and Rec, right? So the Parks and Rec episode that sold me is Leslie has the flu and she's, she's like high on flu medicine. Like she's taking a double dose and she's left the hospital and she's going to do this super important speech. And Ben is trying to stop her. And he's like, you can't do this. Like you can't even, she's totally loopy, right? And she gets up there. And if it had been the office, it would have been this horrible, awkward thing where like she's talking to the whole room and you're like cringing and you think it's going to be terrible. And then she nails it. Right. So they Despite, set up for her to fail it. Exactly. And I think that's what Shit's Creek does too, right? Yes, it like sets you, it sets you up for these things that are going to be super awkward. And then it turns out everybody's really nice to Moira and they give her this little rose garden and she loves it. Yeah. And then it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it could have been awkward, like, but that's, it's just not how it, um, it's just not how it gets played. Okay. So there definitely are, you know, moments maybe where I cringe, um, but just briefly for a second before it gets okay again. And so I was really expecting Ted Lasso to be like that too, mm -hmm. that it was just going to be like cringy, awkward humor and the whole American stupidity thing. And it is an absolute gem. There is, is so much heart in that show. So much heart. Ah, like I just, <laughs> I think Steve and I at the end of every single episode that we watched just went, how is this show so good? That I I I am on I don't know episode four I don't know exactly what episode um but a one of the best comedy pilots I've seen in a long time like mm. you just set yeah. up the entire show in a half an hour and it didn't feel forced down my throat yep and that's tough with comedy because you have yeah and I know exactly who all of these people are I care about them I'm invested in them getting better immediately yeah um and also like I just keep thinking like oh I want to live in London again <laughs> and but also like hot British soccer players who are like regularly shirtless is also like an added benefit <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that part as well Every time Jamie says something stupid without a shirt on, I'm just like, oh, Chad would love this show. <laughs> like, there's also like, they've done such a good job. Everyone is pertinent. Like, 
Uh -huh. There's one that feels extemporaneous or not like, yeah. like And you care about everybody. Everyone. And, then, and, and that then, is so hard to do. And of course the Rupert Giles cameo was lovely. Oh my God. <laughs> I actually, I caught it really early. I didn't realize it was him at first. I caught it really early because there's a picture Oh. That's like on the wall of him with all the girls, and it's like this flash. But my brain went, "Son of a bitch, is that Giles?" And then I was like, "Oh my god, is it going to be Giles?" And then he showed up, and I was like, "It's fucking Giles, and he's yeah. a jackass." <laughs> yeah, and I just, man, these are like, and here's what I figured out. So yes, Jason Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard, great, are co-creators. But they also have help from Bill Lawrence, who wrote Scrubs and Spin mm -hmm. City and Cougar Town. Oh, I love him. Yeah, I love him too. And all of those are shows that start with a ridiculous premise mm -hmm. and end up being about genuine adult relationships. Well, let's see how, I, I, I haven't finished it. I expect I'm going to love the rest of the first season. Um, I cried at the end. Of the first well, season. Those that you mentioned start off really well and end really poorly. Well, I would disagree with that. Um, I, so Scrubs, the what Bill Lawrence did was the end of season eight. And if that had been the finale of Scrubs, mm -hmm. Scrubs would be a great show all the way through. The problem is, is that they took his show and they tried to recast it and bring it back the next year. Oh. And you have this stupid season nine that like most people who like the show just pretend like that doesn't exist. Sort because of like it wasn't him. Once upon a time. Yeah, exactly. It's like the last season, Once Upon a Time. It wasn't them. Like it wasn't the people who had done it the actors or the writers or like they just tried to like it was just this weird tag on thing so and while cougar town did sort of dip in and out in quality um and they should have ended it they should have ended it a season before it did mm -hmm. um i think you won't run into that i think you don't run into that problem as often now as you did 10 years ago because i think people don't have with streaming you don't have the pressure yeah to keep going as long as you used to and right? do 25 episodes like i think the short right exactly matter, so. yeah i think that makes a big big difference right so you've done 100 episodes over the course of five seasons and then you're done mm -hmm. like that's i mean and you know as opposed to like yeah, yeah, yeah. it just it, I'm, I'm trying to do math to in my go, head that well, was a terrible plan yeah. yeah i don't know how to do that um yeah so i think that was um I think that makes a big difference, and I think it in in quality it'll 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 have impact. Um, so I'm excited for you to finish it. Me too. I, I'm that's going to be the rest of my day. Um, yeah. My last one is another dark comedy, but not a limited series. Um, it is a not. I don't. It didn't get a lot of attention, but it was this cute little dark comedy called "I'm Not Okay with This." Uh, oh no that show got a ton of attention oh did it oh great oh yeah the show got a ton of attention and she in particular so yeah cute. she was on so like the cover fun. of like time or something like a bunch of magazines like yeah. fun and angsty teen dark comedy with a twist yeah um where you know she i don't know if i want to ruin it for people um probably don't yeah, yeah. But, but there's a twist and it's a good twist and it's really fun and um 
I was actually really upset it was only half hour episodes. Like it went, it went. That's always the mark of a good show where you're like, wait, is it over? Oh no. That like, cause it didn't even, I don't, it didn't even get a full 10 or 13 episode order. I think it was only like seven or eight. So it went by real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they'll obviously be renewing it. Um, hopefully. Yeah. I think they already have. Uh, but you know, that was, uh, that was one of my favorites from this year as well. Well, my last thing is um, all of the reunions. So uh, that was one thing that came out of COVID, right? That like they, lots of people did fundraisers that were reunions. So we got more Parks and Rec yeah. and, a, and, a, and, a re, and a redo of a West Wing episode um, and, a, you know, internet table reads from Psych and Community, all of which are shows that I just adore. There was like a white collar, like Zoom chat uh so uh, all of that was really fun <laughs> uh, you know it's funny now that you bring that up and I was like it always feels like all of the reunions kind of happen around the same time like I don't know when I was growing up like sure. some, like a couple years like after all the 80s shows like who's the boss and family ties like all went off the air like you know four or five years later like they all end up having reunions it all felt around the same time yeah, I mean, I think it's probably closer to 10 years, but I think that makes sense because it, like, gives people enough time to miss it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, some of them are longer, right? Like, they just did Fresh Prince reunion, and that went off in the 90s, and obviously West Wing was, like, 20 years ago. So, um, yeah, and I think it's different now, like, with streaming and all the old stuff is everywhere, and then also, like, with the internet where people talk about it. And so like friends is as much a part of like popular culture right now as it was when it was on in the nineties, which is pretty what crazy. Is yeah. Like people are like, watch it Kurt and like their friends t-shirts in target and you can, yeah. Like Buzzfeed has oh. friends ornaments for sale and like, which friend weird are you? Thing. I don't know. That's also weird to me because like friends was never a touch point for me. Right. Sure. But like it's it it was, and I think that's you know partially that's like the whole '90s thing that's happening over again now, right? Which like, well, super old makes us super old. We're super old. But you know, some of them are really fun, and I have enjoyed <laughs> them. So, <laughs> so that was it. Our top ten of 2020. This year is almost over, you guys. I feel like I would have had Ted Lasso on my list had I finished it. Like, had I, I think that's probably true. So if you would like to confirm that for us on our next episode, uh, we will not be happy till the new year. It will not be until January 1st. So mm-hmm. we're taking, we're taking a break for the holiday, but we will be back with a new year's Eve, a new year, a new year's related episode on new year's day, actually mm-hmm. January 1st. So look out for that as our next episode, Chad, what are you whelmed about this week? Uh, I'm wound about all the people getting really into Hollywood, uh, Hollywood decorating, holiday decorating. <laughs> it's so nice to like see all the lights and like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it just, it's, it's making things feel festive. It's big enough that it's like getting national news attention. So that's lovely. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like everybody really needs light right now. God, I really need light right now. Yeah. 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 Megan, what are you uh, so- about? Um, Todd, we have started watching a new show on HBO Max that is Harley Quinn. It is a DC animated show. I know, I was surprised too, but I saw it on a bunch of people's like top shows of the year list. And it is really funny. 
it is like it's kind of it's very adult it is a very adult show like it's kind of bloody it's cartoon so it, it doesn't bother me quite as much although there definitely have been one or two moments where I'm like Ugh. um even with the cartoon but you know it's it's really so Kaylee Cuoco is voicing she's from Big Bang Theory mm-hmm. she is voicing Harley Quinn and Lake Bell is voicing Poison Ivy and I adore her Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, lots of other people you would know, but like, it's just really funny. Um, so I, you know, uh, my thing has been for a while that like DC knows how to do TV shows and Marvel knows how to do movies and they don't know how to do the other thing. So, um, this is one of those DC knows how to do TV shows. Well, that, and Marvel's going to be put to the test now, right? Cause they're doing all these mm-hmm. episodic shows and they did yeah. do, you know, uh, they've, I finally finished Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, the show kind of sucked for the most part. But the last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was actually really tight. So who knows? Hopefully they- I mean, I think it's another example of a show that should have ended before it did. Like it, it, there are a lot of shows that just, especially when you're on network where they just start to meander in the middle and they don't have any, and then once they get an end date, now they know what they're doing and yeah. they've got momentum again because they're headed towards the end. So, um, yeah. And I, you know, none of the Marvel Netflix movies, uh, TV shows were great. Like they were all kind of fine, but none of them, I mean, most of them were fine. Like the Iron Fist one was bullshit, but. But hopefully now that they have like a, a bigger plan for it all, like. It's yeah. All- it, yeah. And, and, and they have, so, yeah, they have better people on it now. So hopefully they have realized their mistake, but. If you are a, uh, if you're an animated fan, I recommend Harley Quinn. It's on HBO Max. So please come hang out with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Whelmed Podcast and we sure would love it if you would rate and review us on whatever platform you are listening or share with a friend. We would love for some new people to find us as we head into all of the exciting things that are sure to come in 2021. Oh, I can't believe it's 2021. I know. So we hope everybody has a wonderful holiday season and we will see you in the new year, friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, honey. What would I do without you? You never have to worry about that. Oh, boo. Bye. Bye.